good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to um, turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 this morning. And uh, the title of my message is A Mother's Heart. A Mother's Heart. First John 3. I think that we all would admit and acknowledge and agree that if there is one thing that is under attack in our world today and in the culture in which we live, it is the nuclear family. I think that it's reasonable to associate just about all, most of the social um, failures in our world today can usually go back to the disintegration of the nuclear family. Where we have more and more divorce and we have more and more single parents trying to raise children in the absence of the father from the home. And the enemy has done a great job. I, I hate to say it, but he has. He's done a He's done a very effective job in, in targeting the family because he's not dumb. He's, he's smart, our enemy, call him the devil, Satan. He's very smart. He understands the way God designed uh, the family and how important and essential marriage and the family is to all of society because the family is it's the foundation. It's the foundation to society, it's the foundation to the church, it's the foundation to every government institution, it's the foundation to everything that we find in society. So when the family begins to crumble, when the family begins to, to become uh, affected, when the family begins to disintegrate, guess what? Everything else falls with it. And we look at our world around us and... I really believe that that's probably the number one, the primary reason why our world is in such a mess that it's in today. It's because for whatever reason, whether we've allowed it or whether it's just the enemy and his, his tactics and his strategy, um, he is destroying the family. And so when I, when I think about Mother's Day and I think about how essential mothers are to the family, I want to take some time today to encourage us and to encourage our mothers, but also encourage all of us. This message is, is first and foremost to mothers, but it applies to who? To everybody. So don't, don't tune out on me just because you're not a mother in the room today because in the end, this message is for you um, because it's very, very important how we understand, how we look at ourselves and our relationship to the Father, to our Heavenly and that's what this message is really all about. So in 1 John 3, I just want to kind of jump off into these first two verses and then share some, some thoughts on a mother's heart today. 1 John 3, I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. The Apostle John writes, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, exclamation point. Like he's emphatic about this. He's like, we are children of the living God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now 
we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So on the surface, if you read that passage with me, it may not seem to have anything to do with mothers. But before we get finished today, you are going to see that this has everything to do with mothers. It speaks directly to mothers, but not just to mothers. As I said, it speaks to all of us. And I think that we're going to need to be reminded of this today because I know I did this week. So let's talk real quick about mothers. There's some, some very famous quotes that I wanted to share with you about mothers. Someone once said that a mother is the person who can take the place of everyone else, but whose place no one else can take. Another quote says that life doesn't come with an instruction manual. It comes with a mother. Rudyard Kipling, the author, he said, God could not be everywhere, therefore he made mothers. Which is not theologically true. We know God is everywhere. But you get the point, right? Listen to what George Washington said about his mom. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. And all I am, I owe to her. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. I like this one. Mothers hold their children's hands for just a short while. But their hearts forever. It's a good one. Actress Reese Witherspoon. I don't know. It's a good. It's a good quote. I always say that if you aren't yelling at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. <laughs> Probably true. Mark Twain. My mother had a great deal of trouble with me, but I think she enjoyed it. <laughs> That's a good one. And then an anonymous quote. It says, "My mom was like glue. When you couldn't see her, she was still holding everything." And that's really what I, I see the, the role of a mother in a family is that she's like the what? She's like that glue that holds everything together. And so I just want to share some thoughts with you as we, we're going to make our way back around to 1 John chapter 3, kind of near the end of this message. But let's just go through a few, a few things today together that I, I hope will help you and encourage you. The first thing is that mothers are the heart of the family, they holding everything together. Mothers are the heart of the family. So how did God design the family? He, he created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. He, he blessed the first union, the marriage of the covenant uh, union of marriage with uh, husband and wife. And the way he set up the family, I, I think it's, it's brilliant because let's just say, and I think biblically speaking we can say, that the man, the husband, the father is supposed to be the head of the family. So we're the, the head, right? the federal head, the, the leader, supposed to be. But a family with just a head is lacking something. The family also needs a what? It needs a heart. So if the father, the husband is the head of the family, the mother, she's the what? She's the heart. So that beautiful complementary role of husband and wife, mother and father, God designed it from the beginning of creation. It was his idea. Eve was called the mother of all the living. And from that very day forward, every mother since then, every generation after, has been gifted with the most beautiful treasure 
which is our mothers, providing an essential component to the nuclear family, which is the heart. Every home needs a what? A heart. Every home needs a heart. And so let's just take for a minute, just let's consider how mothers hold the family together as the heartbeat of our family. These are just some things, some thoughts that I, I jotted down I'd like to share with you today. Mothers are more emotionally intelligent than us guys. They're just in tune with their emotions. We need that. They're connected. They're in tune with themselves and then those around them, and they can express love and kindness and understanding in ways that many times we as husbands and fathers just cannot do. Mothers are more nurturing and naturally compassionate, bearing struggles and growing pains of life, usually with patience and encouragement. Mothers are natural consolers, so they're the helpers and the comforters. You know, it's funny because God did call Eve Adam's helper, the, the helpmate. Now, for those of you husbands in the room that know that your wife can sometimes be your Holy Spirit, Reminding you, right, of some of the things, maybe your shortcomings or those things that, that we don't want to see in, our, in ourselves. And sometimes we can get, uh, you know, very defensive about those things. But I find, you know, I used to joke about that. But then I looked at the word. God made the wife to be the what? The helper. Guess what the Holy Spirit is called? The helper. So there is some truth to that, that there are blind spots in a husband's uh, life or a, a father's life that our wives... The mothers of the family, they can see that we may not necessarily see. And God did put them there for a reason to be that helper and that comforter in the home. I find that fascinating. Mothers provide invaluable wisdom and insight because of that thing that I still don't understand, that woman's what? Intuition. It's amazing how a mother, a, a wife can have this intuition, this sense about situations and people and circumstances that I'm just so blind and oblivious to. And so we need to pay attention to that and appreciate that and listen to that. Mothers are typically the teachers in the home. They are nurses. They're counselors. They're the planners. They can be organizers, administrators, facilitators. They're the designers and the creators of the home. They give life and beauty to a home. The home is the extension of the mother. You know, if guys, if we were, if we were left to decorating our homes, what would it look like? It would just be terrible, Right? You walk into a home and you, and you see the beauty and the, and the, and the loving touches that, that go along. That all comes from where? The creative, creative hearts of the mother. They make a home a place of comfort and beauty. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just a gift that we have from them. Mothers, they show tremendous strength and courage and composure in the face of adversity and tragedy. I will always go to my, my grave um, admitting that women are much stronger. Than men. 100 You already know that, right? Just the fact that you can carry a child for nine months and go through that process, there's no way. Like that in and of itself proves to me that you are the strongest person in the world for, for mothers to do that. But not just physically, but like emotional strength, that emotional stability that a home needs. That typically comes from the heart of a mother. Mothers can bring fun and laughter and joy and singing and dancing into a home. You know, many times us guys, we're, we're just... We're, we're tired or we're working or we, we lose sight of those things. And a mother can bring so much laughter and joy and fun and dancing. That's what a mother often can do and does do. Mothers are the anchor, the consistency. They're the heartbeat of the family. And we should celebrate them and support them in those roles. Essential to the role, to the heart of the home. 
It's, it's interesting that when God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone, when he got to the fifth commandment, he said what? Honor your father and your what? Your mothers. And that's part of what we're doing today. We honor our mothers one day a year, but we know that they deserve way more than that. But we're honoring our fathers and our mothers today. And the way that we honor them is that we respect their role. We cherish them. We praise them. We listen to them. We trust them. We love them. We encourage them. The Bible says that when we honor our father and mother, it's the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. When you honor your mother, it goes well with you. It goes well with the family. It's a good thing to honor them. So the mother is the heart of the family, right? The mother is that person that just holds it all together. The second thing, and this kind of goes without saying, but it, nothing compares to the love of a mother's heart. Now, when everybody else in the world may stop loving you, who's always going to love you? Mama's always going to love you, right? It's just something about a mother's heart that, that everybody else can abandon you or give up on you, but there's something about a mother's heart. The love of a mother is without compare. There's three, three simple things I wanted to say about the love of a mother, and there's many, many more that I could go into, but I'm just going to give you three simple ones. The first one is selflessness. The, the very minute that a mother conceives, think about this. You have a, an entirely different human being growing inside your body. Okay? The days of you being selfish are what? <laughs> They're over. Like all of a sudden, your life has been literally invaded by another individual. You have no other way to ignore this person growing inside of you, right? I mean, selflessness is part of what it means to be a mother. And so immediately a mother feels that instinct to give priority to another person, to nurture and to give herself to that other person, putting herself aside for the benefit and welfare of that child. And of course, it doesn't just happen during the, the, the nine months of gestation, but obviously after the child is born, then a whole new level of responsibility kicks in. And a mother is selfless in giving herself to her children. She is also a mother has a, a love of, that's, that's fueled by sacrifice. Now, when we think about sacrifice, we think about, I think about Christ. He, he was willing to what? Lay down his, his life. And the Bible says that in view of God's mercy, that we are to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. And if I, if I really had any better example, I would give it to you. But really, a mother is a living what? A living sacrifice every single day, waking up, putting herself down. Laying her life down for the sake of somebody else. And that's just natural that comes to the love of a mother's heart. And then the last one is that there's selflessness, there's sacrifice, and there's long-suffering. Long-suffering. You see, a mother's heart will endure and persevere and show more patience than anyone else. Out of that deep, unconditional love that she has for her family. And so we see these beautiful reflections of God and his love and Christ and his heart in the life of a mother. The mother is the heart of the family holding everything together and she loves like nobody else. Which is why the enemy knows that if he can't get to the head, 
of the family, which he often does, where is he going to go? He's going to try to get the heart. And sometimes he's trying to do both at the same time. But he knows that if he can get to the heart of the family, then that family, that, that person that holds it all together, that family will begin to what? Break away, break down, disintegrate. And so let's talk real quick about the strategy of the enemy. As we think about why are we in, in a cultural sense, in a social sense, why are we struggling and suffering? Why is the family under so much attack today? And it's because of these strategies. Again, this isn't a, an exhaustive uh, list of how the enemy works, but I just want to give you a few things that he's so good at. And I, I mean, I hate to admit that our enemy is very good at what he does. Okay, he has a plan, he has a strategy, and he's good at it, and he carries it out, and he's relentless. He does not stop, but neither does who? Neither does our God. So I'm not going to give him too much credit, but let's just talk real, real quick about how the devil works and how he attacks the heart of the family. The devil directly targets mothers. I'm going to give you three ways, and I'm going to add one more, but by deceiving, discouraging, and ultimately trying to what? Destroy. Deceiving, discouraging, but ultimately, the enemy wants to what? He wants to destroy a mother's heart. Now, let's talk real quick. The, before let's, before dece deception, I'm, I'm going to give you one more. I think that the way he begins the, de the deception is through something else. It's through distraction. Okay? Now, here we are, 2023, modern Americans... And I bet you, if you were to go around and have a poll and ask everybody, what's the one thing that's got you so stressed out and anxious is that we're all too what? We're too busy. Right? Anybody there? I'm just always too busy. There's just always so much going on. I have all of these demands. I'm so distracted, right? Some of it is by our own doing. We're, we're, we're allowing distractions to come into our life that may not need to be there and shouldn't be there. And that, that's something we have to look at, right? But some of it is just the world in which we live and the stress and the pressure of raising a family and trying to balance work with home and the finances and the calendars and the schedules and the kids and the hobbies and the weekends and church and all of these things. And so these are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they can become a major what? A major distraction. And so what happens, guys, is that it happens very slowly. But as we begin to become distracted with the cares and the worries of this world, we take our eyes off of who? We take our eyes off of Jesus. And we spend less time with him. And we spend less time praying. And I'm talking to myself. Okay? If you're, if you're convicted, that's between you and the Lord. I'm just talking to myself right now. You get distracted, sometimes with really good things, but you spend less and less time praying. You spend less and less time in his what? in his word, and then you become vulnerable for the first strategy of the devil. He wants to deceive you. He wants to deceive you. So the, the devil is a what? Liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language. And so what's he always, what's he constantly trying to do? He's trying to feed us what? Lies. Now, it's weird. Have you ever just been going down the road or going to the supermarket and you just have this 
thought pop into your head? And you're like, where'd that come from? There's some fascinating psychology. I don't know all the answers to it, but I do believe that there, is, there are ways that our enemy, he does something. He plants thoughts. He casts these thoughts at us or into us, and it, sometimes it can come from outside of us, but sometimes it's weird. It feels like it's coming from where? With inside of us, and you're just like, where'd that come from? I know that's not true, but then if we're not careful, if we begin to dwell or believe these thoughts and these lies that can come into our heads, or sometimes we hear from other people, sometimes that's what it is. You know, we've been told something by somebody else that's not true, and we what? And we believe it. And that's another way the devil can speak through us. Did you know the devil can speak through you? He can speak through me. I'm ashamed to say that he's done that before. He spoke through Peter. Right? Peter was trying to discourage Jesus from going to the cross. And what did Jesus look at Peter and said, what? Get behind me, Satan. He knew that it wasn't Peter necessarily talking, but who was talking through him? The devil was. And so sometimes these lies come from different angles and from various places. But if we're not careful, guys, Satan is a liar. He's a master deceiver. And what he does is that when it comes to mothers especially, here's what he's trying to do. He wants to devalue your role as a wife and as a mother. There is a movement in the world today that is trying to tell women that they are less than if they are a wife and a what? A mother. That they are selling themselves short in some way by taking on these God-given roles of wife and mother, and that for them to really be happy, and again, this is a per, per, pervading message in the world today, for women to really be happy, they need to pursue their happiness, they need to be, stay single, they need to be a career woman, they need to go out and make money, they need to go out there and play the field, whatever it may be, and in, in doing all of those things, they think that they're going to find happiness, and these are many of the lies, these are just lies, and I'm not, I'm not against a woman being a career woman, I'm not against those things, that's not what I'm saying. But I think that we have bought a lie that's been given to us by the enemy that, that tells women that if they are a wife and a mother, that they've sold themselves short in some way and they're settling for something less and that God has been holding out on them. And that's just not what? That's just not true. Again, for all the reasons I just shared with you before, because a mother, the, the way God designed the woman in her heart is the, is the design to be a a loving wife and a loving mother, and there's so much fulfillment in that because that's how God created you to be. Generally speaking, right? So how does the devil deceive our mothers? Look, devalue their role as wife and mothers. They want, the devil wants to convince them that, there's, that, they're, that they're missing out on something more. The devil wants to convince them that they can find happiness and satisfaction in the temporary uh, pleasures and pursuits of the world. The devil wants them to, to, be, uh, to believe that they're not loved or they're not worthy or that they're a failure or that they're, they're not good enough or that they're not significant or they're not making a what? A difference. And so these are thoughts that many times our mothers are battling in their hearts and their minds every single day. Am I really making a difference? I'm not good enough. I can't be good enough. There's no way I can get it all done. I've got too much on me. And so all of these, these things, and these are just lies. They're just lies, but, but if we're not careful, we start to believe them. And what that does, it discourages us. And it brings us into a spirit of despair and hopelessness and frustration. And it just really affects our ability 
to be the people, to be the mothers, to be the ones that God called us and created us to be. So there's a deception strategy. So he, he wants to deceive. He wants to um, steal mother's joy. So he's not only a deceiver, but he's also someone who is wanting to discourage. Don't you sense the spirit of discouragement many times in the family? It's just like we're, we're weighed down. We're, we're beat down. We're, we're discouraged. That's coming directly from the enemy. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to use circumstances to bring us down, to beat us up, to hurt us, especially the ones that we love, to create confusion or chaos in our life. And, and it, just, it just sometimes can get so overwhelming where we get very discouraged, very downhearted. And then the last thing is that Satan just ultimately, his end goal is that he wants to destroy you and your family and everybody that you love. Let me say that again. Our enemy, he, he's, he's ruthless. He wants to destroy you, your family, and everybody that you love. And he is doing everything that he can to do that. Now, I don't tell you that to make you afraid of him. Who are we to fear? We're to fear God, not the devil. Understand the devil, know what he's trying to do, but if we are in Christ and we belong to God, you see, God is greater, right? Our God is greater, and he that lives in us is greater than he that is in the world who's trying to do this against us. So I'm not telling you these things to discourage you further, but I'm telling you these things to understand how our enemy operates, is that he wants to destroy your life. And so the mothers in our, in our homes are primary targets. He wants to see our mothers have the spirit of disappointment and rejection, broken relationships, the pain of sin. Um, he wants mothers' hearts to become hardened toward all of these things. And if a, if, a de if a devil can get a mother's heart, remember, the mother is the what of the family? The heart. If the devil can get a mother's heart to become hardened toward God and other people, he succeeded. He succeeded. And so this is where we have to be careful. So let me give you three quick remedies because I just gave you the problem and how the enemy works. But just real quickly, let me give you the remedies to that, okay? First, what did we talk about? We talked about the devil's trying to deceive us, trying to deceive our mothers, all of us. So what's the remedy? Well, the Bible says that we're commanded to take lies captive. Captive. Now listen, this is an exercise that takes a little bit of work. So go back to the analogy I gave you that you're going down the road, you're in the grocery store, you're having a conversation with somebody, and this terrible thought or this negative thought pops into your mind. What do you, can you control that? I don't think so. It just happens. What, where'd that come from? This is negative thought. But what can you control? What are you going to do with that thought? Are you going to run with it? Are you going to dwell on it? Are you going to perpetuate it in your mind, or are you going to take it what? Captive. You're going to say, wait a minute. That is not from God. That is not what? True. That's a lie. And I'm not going to believe this lie. And it's an exercise. It is a very difficult thing that we are called to do. It happens to all of us, but this is how we can combat the deception that the enemy is throwing at us. So he tells us to take these thoughts captive, these lies, and replace the lie with what? 
the truth. Well, how do you do that? Well, you, you got to know the truth. And where's the truth? It's right here in the Word of God. So we need to know the promises of God. Mothers, you will not spend more valuable time than to just memorize some of God's what? Promises. Just remember, wait a minute, I am loved. I'm not unworthy. God does have a purpose for my life. I am forgiven. You see, the devil accuses us and tries to beat us down and discourage us and tell us all these awful things about ourselves and other people. And we're like, wait a minute, that's not true because God told me something different. That's what it means to take these things captive, to renew our minds daily in the word of God so that we're not susceptible to these lies. It's just basic input equals output. The more that we are fed lies and dwell on lies and don't, uh, you know, take these lies captive and we allow them to run away in our hearts and our minds, that's what we're going to believe and we're going to experience the results of that. But if we're inputting in our hearts and our minds the word of God and remembering God's truth and standing on his promises, you see, that's going to be the result that we get, right? It's basic input equals output. So that's the first thing that we do. That's how we fight the deception. How do we fight the discouragement? Well, here's, here's something that I, I just think we take for granted. You see, God gives us his Holy Spirit. What did I say earlier? He's our what? Helper, comforter, counselor. We, we are called to turn to the Spirit of God and, and look to his presence in prayer when we face that discouragement. And that is enough. But you know what? God didn't stop there. He didn't just give us his Holy Spirit. Guess who else God gave us? To help us overcome discouragement. He gave us all of you. He gave us each other. We need each other, don't we? Do you, do you have that godly friend? Do you have that trusted friend? Do you have that person in your life that when you're discouraged and you know you're having a tough day and you're battling all these things, that you can call that person and they are instantly going to encourage you. They're going to lift you up. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to help you work through whatever it is that you're struggling with. They're not going to feed on the negativity. They're not going to make it worse. They're not going to uh, be overdramatic or give you bad counsel or whatever. But we need people in our life, and everybody needs this. But you can turn to somebody, and the Holy Spirit is enough, and God is enough. But he didn't stop there. He gave us each other. And mothers are some of the best people we can call in those times, aren't they? But mothers, you also need people, somebody that you can turn to, to overcome that discouragement. And then the last thing, when it comes to the devil trying to destroy you, I'm just going to say it real quickly. Listen, don't let someone else's hurt become your hurt. Don't allow other people's hate to become your what? Your hate. Because when we do that, guess what it does to our heart? It hardens our hearts. And again, what did I say earlier? If the devil can get you to harden your heart toward God and other people, he's winning. That's how he destroys your heart. But when we can learn to overcome evil with what? Good and bless those who curse us and do good to those who, who hate us and pray for those who have hurt and offended us. And the biggest thing is to what? Forgive. Learn with God's help to forgive those who have hurt us and that sets our hearts free from that bitterness and that hardness that can come with that resentment.
So these are just some very simple things, mothers, that I hope and pray that you can turn to and lean on and look to whenever it is you are facing those struggles from the enemy. Now, finally, I'm going to finish with this. Go back to 1 John chapter 3. Because after everything that I've shared with you today, I think this is probably going to be the most important. I started thinking, what do mothers need to be reminded of, especially today with all the the challenges and struggles that come with mothers trying to balance things at work, trying to balance things at home, trying trying to do it all. (laughs) oftentimes feeling like they're failures, oftentimes feeling like they're not good enough, all those things, right? Well, this is what God led me to see in 1 John chapter 3. Mothers, mother, if you are a mother today, but again, this applies to who? Everybody. So it's not just for mothers, but, but I want you to hear me. You must never forget that you first, before you were ever a mother, you first were a beloved what? You're a child of God. You are a cherished daughter of your Heavenly Father. Why is that important? I want you to think about that for a second. You see, what we talk about a lot today, you hear a lot of, you all hear things today about our uh, identity, identity politics, you name it, right? All of this identity stuff in our culture going on. But as believers, we also, everybody in this room has an identity. We do. Some of us may not have an accurate identity with ourselves. Some of us may. But it's easy if we're not careful. Let me give you an example. It's easy for me to put my identity in being pastor. Now, I do serve as a pastor, but is that really my identity? It's not. It may be something that I do, and it may be a calling that I have. I'm also a husband and a father. Is that my identity? I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily my identity. It's a, a crucial, major, essential part of my life. But when, when it all comes, again, when, when it all comes down to it, what we really are getting to the heart of here is that our identity should be rooted in the reality that we have become what? Children of God. Why children? You ever think about that? Why is it that God wanted us to identify with him as children? I think it's really simple. I'm just going to keep it real simple to you. Some of you may or may not have had a good father growing up. I, I get that. Some of you probably had a great dad growing up. I want you to think back to when you were a little bitty child and you were having a bad day and maybe you got in trouble, maybe you got a whipping, maybe you did something or your brother or sister hurt your feelings or did something to you or maybe you had a terrible day at school or maybe you did something wrong, you told a lie, whatever it may be, you're just having a bad day. Like, what is it, Alexander and his terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, right? We all had those growing up, right? And so... The thing that I want you to go back to, if you had this experience, I know not everybody had a father this like this, but if you had that kind of a father that was in the home and you were having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, all you had to do was climb up into your father's lap, let him put his arms around you, and no matter what kind of a day you had, everything was what? 
everything is going to be okay. Why? Because you're near to your what? You're near to your father. You felt his warmth and his love and his protection and just his presence with you there. No matter what you were going through, it didn't matter because who was with you? Your father was with you. And I think mothers today need to remember that when we're, when we're trying to struggle through all of this identity, I'm, a, I'm working, I'm a, I'm a mother, I'm trying to be a good wife, I'm trying to be the manager of the house and the facilitator and the bookkeeper and the cook and the nurse and the counselor and all these things that get so overwhelming. I think what happens sometimes is that mothers, we forget that we are first what? Children of God. That's where our relationship has to come back to so that we can find that place when we turn back to our Heavenly Father and we just look to Him and, we, and we, we rest in Him. And we think about Him lovingly wrapping His arms around us. That, that This is what I wrote, I want to read it to you, is that the Father one day, He's going to, well He does this every day when we turn to Him, He, he embraces us in His loving arms. He will weep over us when we're sorrowful. He will quiet us with His love and He rejoices over us with singing, this is our Heavenly Father, and He is there for us always. And you need to understand and remember that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult life gets, He is right there with you. Amen. And you know what, guys? Honestly, when we're going through tough times, as long as we know we, our Heavenly Father is with us, we know everything's going to be what? It's going to be okay. So, just think about that passage again. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the King. And that that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The reason that we are so much, we struggle so much with this world is because we don't belong in this. We just don't belong in this world. This is not our home. There's tension with that. There's struggle with that. We're fighting against that, guys. You know, you know the reason why we're, we get so uh, discontent and we, we get so frustrated with this life and, and we, we, we oftentimes are struggling with, the, with the, the, the challenges of this world is because everything that we want and that we desire, everything that we're looking for, it's not going to be found where? It's not going to be found in this world and in this life. Guess where that is? That's heaven. That's what heaven's going to be like. All the things that we're missing, all the things that we're, we're looking for in this world that never meet those needs, that's what heaven is for. That's what it's going to be. But until then, guys, yes, we're still stuck in this place, and we're not part of this world. We don't belong to this world. We don't fit into this world. We don't. And we don't ever really fully experience that rest and that peace at home, and we won't do that until we are in the presence of our heavenly Father. In his house. And we will be there one day. If you are a child. Of God. Dear friends. We are now children of God. And what we will be. Has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as. He is. So on that day. When our life comes to an end. And we stand before our Heavenly Father. There's only one thing that qualifies us for the kingdom.
And that's simply this. Have you become a child of God? Do you belong to him? And I think mothers today, that's the place I want to encourage you. I really believe this. Is, it gonna, is life always going to be easy? Is it always going to um, work out? Is it always going to be the way that we want it? No, I'm not, I'm not promising you those things. But I am promising you that when you're going through these struggles, you can turn to your heavenly father and he will take you under his wings. He will wrap you in his loving arms. He will quiet you with his love. He will give you that protection that you're looking for. He will give you the peace and, and, the, and the feeling and the sense of belonging that you need. And he'll give you that rest. He'll give you that promise that he's with you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And no matter what you're going through, he's going to make everything okay. That's what our Heavenly Father does. Amen. So I want to ask our praise team to come back up. And we're going to sing... Uh, one more song, and, and I love this song. It's, it's something that I, I just kind of discovered this week, and it's it, the song is called More Than Anything. It's called More Than Anything. And you'll see here in just a minute, I want you to sing it with us, but basically the song says, God, you gave us everything. Everything. That, that we don't deserve what he's given us, and yet he's still given us what? Everything. And that we owe God everything. And we should want him more than anything. And so I hope and pray, guys, that from today's message that you'll be encouraged. And as you sing this last song with us today, I just pray that you will just find that place in your heart where no matter what it is that you're going through today, I just pray that you'll feel the presence and the peace of God and the, and the, and the love of your, of your Heavenly Father all over you today. All over you. Mothers, we, we honor you. We thank you for everything that you do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day and for all the, the hope and, the, and the, the life and, and the love that you give us through Christ, Lord, that you make everything okay just simply by being there for us. Lord, I pray that our mothers today would, would learn to value their role as, as wife and as mother, Lord, and, and not believe the lies that try to, to bring them down, not to allow the discouragement to weigh them down, and, and Lord, not to harden their hearts whenever there's hurt. And Father, I just pray that all of us today, whether we're mothers or not, that we would remember who we are in Christ, that you've given us the right to become your children. For all who believe in you, Lord, you give us the privilege to become sons and daughters of God. We thank you for that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' holy and perfect name. Amen.